Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to A Minute with Coach Riggs. Former T.R. Miller head football coach Jamie Riggs shares his views on all aspects of football after a 40-year Hall of Fame high school career. Coach Riggs and his guests will discuss the latest on the local high school and college teams, the current issues that are dominating high school, college, and NFL football, as well as reliving some of the classic moments and history of the game with the people that made it happen. This is A Minute with Coach Riggs. I want to welcome you to A Minute with Coach Riggs. This is Jamie Riggs. I will be the host tonight, and uh, we've got an interesting group with us tonight, which I will introduce here in just a minute uh, as we get ready to uh, introduce the number eight football team of all time at T.R. Miller. We're down to eight. I mean, we're down to eight. And in case you missed the last couple of episodes, we had the 1946 team was the number 10 team of all time. The number nine team was the 2003 group which was the state semifinalist, and they were the number nine team of all time. So we'll get to the number eight team here in just a minute. Before we get into that, I do want to make mention that most of you you folks that are T.R. Miller fans and around Bruton uh, probably know that uh, about a month or so ago, we lost Gerald McAnally. Uh, Gerald had had cancer for um, several years and had fought that uh, for a long time very bravely. And Gerald... Um, uh, coached our middle school football team for, I don't know, at least about eight years. Gerald was an interesting guy in that he got into education later than everybody else. You know, most of us get in there in the early 20s. He he was in his late 30s, I think almost 40 years old when he got into education and um, uh, did it because he just decided he wanted to work with kids. And uh, uh, we ended up hiring him as a um, social studies teacher and the middle school football coach. In those days, we played seventh and eighth grade football at the Bruton Middle School and so I hired Gerald to be the head coach over there and he worked very hard at that did a great job of that and uh, was great with our players and our kids when I hired him uh, I told him I said here's what I want you to do I said I, I don't I don't care how many games you win and when I said that he looked at me real funny because you know he's coming to T.R. Miller we had won all these games and all and I said I, I don't care how many games you win I said I want you to do one thing I said, when, when those kids get through playing 7th and 8th grade football to Bruton Middle School, I want them to come to high school and play football. I said, however you do that, do it. So I don't care how many games you win, but I want them playing football in the ninth grade. I'm going to tell you, he did a great job of that. We're certainly saddened by his loss. His son, Caleb, um, of course, played for us, was a terrific player. And uh, Gerald took a great pride that he was part of the Miller staff and great pride that uh, Caleb uh, got to play football at T.R. Miller, so we will we will miss him and um, uh, be in prayer for Sharon and uh, the, the the rest of their family. Okay, here we go. The number eight football team of all time at T.R. Miller High School is the 2013 T.R. Miller Tigers. Uh, the head coach was Jamie Riggs. Uh, they ended up with a record of 12 and one. They are one of ten. T.R. Miller teams to go undefeated in the regular season. Now, here's some more stats on these guys. And if you're wondering why they are in the top 10, some of these stats will, will help you with some of that. Um, they scored the second most points all time at, in Miller football history, 529 points. They have all time 
the second highest scoring average per game. They averaged 40.7 points per game. We've only had, there have been 98 football teams at T.R. Miller. Only two have averaged 40 points or more. So this is the second uh, greatest scoring team of all time, common sense will tell you from those two stats. Uh, they're also second all time in scoring differential. Scoring differential, uh, you get that by taking the amount of points that you scored, the amount of points that you gave up, subtracting those two figures right there. So they, they came up with uh, 40.7 points per game. They gave up, the 2013 team, gave up 14.1 points per game. So their scoring differential was 26.6 points per game. That's second all time, and I can tell you that 20 or more is really good. That's really good. 26.6 points per game. And then the other stat that's interesting about them, they'll show you a little bit about their dominance, uh, certainly during part of the season. Of the 12 wins, nine of these wins, they won by four touchdowns or more. So that's a pretty good football team. So let's get into it. And um, I've got uh, with me tonight uh, three of the coaches that we had on that staff that year. Uh, and so I have with me uh, Chris Baxter, who was the defensive coordinator. I've got Eddie Brundage, who was the offensive line coach, and Mark Edge, who was the assistant head coach, and I believe the linebacker coach. Is that correct? That's correct. Linebacker coach. That was the equivalent of that uh, in 2013, Mark. That was probably the equivalent of coaching the defensive line in the All-Star game because, um, you know, uh, when you had the linebackers you had playing, it was hard not to be pretty good about and pretty excited about going to practice every day. So let me let me kick off with these guys, um, first of all, by, by giving you some more information here on the 2013 team. Uh, they finished the regular season, um, uh, as we said, twelve and excuse me, the regular season ten and zero, with a final record of twelve and one. There were some interesting games during the season. Uh, the fourth game of the year, uh, we beat Bayside forty-three to forty in Bruton, one of the great games of all time that that we have had uh, in Bruton. They finished the season with three big wins, October the eighteenth. Uh, we we were seven and zero and third ranked. We faced the six and one Strawn Tigers. They were ranked number five. Like Dominique Jackson that night had two hundred and seventy yards rushing. Uh, we had three interceptions that night. We jumped on them hard in the second quarter and beat them forty two to seven. The following week we shut out W S Neal twenty eight to nothing in East Bruton. On November the first, the Tigers traveled. Uh, to take on the storage Sweetwater Tigers over there, looking to become the 10th Miller team to have an undefeated regular season. Uh, we used a great defense that night, and they had a couple of really good running backs. Great defense in the running of Dominique Jackson, Cameron Coleman, beat them 27-6. to uh, After the playoff wins against American Christian in midfield, uh, this Miller squad lost to Leeds in Birmingham, 24 to 20, suffering five turnovers on a wet night. So let's give you some of the um, of the players. The offense was led by quarterback 
Keon Smith, who was a senior in his first year playing quarterback. The fullback was Cameron Coleman, who had been playing for us for a long time. And the tailbacks were Dominique and McHenry Coleman. Jalen Jones also played some fullback for us. The receivers that year, uh, junior Kellen Wynn, uh, junior Trey Walker, senior Caden Lodge, uh, sophomore Chardian Johnson also played some um, uh, receiver for us then, as well as uh, Jones Manning played a little receiver for us. We also used Tameric Jenkins out there some. Uh, the offensive line, the tackles, uh, were James Peach, Sat Whitworth, Cousins, I believe, so well as Fabian Jones and Michael Walker. The guards were Hunter Harp, Ronald Young, and uh, Chris Jones. The center was Ashton Wilson. The tight end was Chandler Brown. We also used uh, Kyle Davis and um, Chris Jones there some. Defensively, the outside linebackers were Cameron Coleman, Chandler Brown, who did most of that. We also used Michael McKinney. Uh, McHenry Coleman at times, Yancey Jernigan, and Derek Murray. Uh, the inside linebackers where we made our money that year, junior Kyle Davis, senior Dominique Jackson, who went on to play at uh, Alabama State there, and then Terry Samuel, who was a junior that year, who had a great career at University of West Alabama as a linebacker. The defensive tackles were Alan Boyd, who had a great year, Cade Castleberry, who was a junior, Michael Walker, Chris Jones also played some defensive tackle. Our nose guards were Ronald Young Jalen, and Jalen Jones. The rover for us that year was Caden Lodge and Jordan Samuel. The cornerbacks were Kellen Wynn, uh, Trey Walker, and Kadaris Jones. McHenry Coleman also played a little corner for us. The free safeties were Charlie and Johnson. And we also played Keon Smith there a considerable amount there with our quarterback. Uh, this team stayed pretty healthy during most of the season. It was a very good tackling team. Uh, we ran well. Uh, on offense, I would say Keon Smith's running ability was kind of one of the keys to our offense. We were, from the very get-go, a running football team. We could block, and we, were run we had three physical running backs, and we had every intention of running the ball. Uh, Keon was good enough at quarterback to keep defenses honest as a passer. This football team had some tough people on it. Oh my goodness, Cameron Coleman, who played much of the year with an injured shoulder, Kyle Davis, Ronald Young, my goodness, uh, James Peach, who uh, was good at times and mean the rest of the time. Uh, Dominique, Dominique Jackson could go. and We just had some good old tough uh, football players here and uh, which, of course, uh, in the middle of our defense was Kyle Davis, who was a, a big part of that. In Dominique Johnson, we had a runner who had some size at 6'2", 190, and who could go the distance. Now, every team has some weaknesses, and certainly if you're a 3A football team, you have some, and we, and we did. We were not necessarily all-time great at defending spread offenses in the past. We weren't necessarily a great passing team. Uh, we could throw it some to – to stay alive. We weren't a great passing team, and we didn't have the great kickers. I think Charlie and Johnson was our extra point kicker, and he did a decent job. Kyle was a pretty good punter, uh, but we, we had some issues kicking off at times throughout the year. At the end of the day, this team won because we had great players. We had great players. So 
Um, let me start off with uh, Chris. Chris Baxter, our, our defensive coordinator that year. And Chris, why don't you just talk for a minute about the defense because um, we, we played really, really good defense uh, throughout the year, and I really think this was a really good tackling team. Uh, thank you, Jamie, for having me on, and uh, just a uh, great opportunity to talk about this team. And yes, they uh, they were tough. We had some tough players, and the, like you said earlier, the linebackers between uh, Kyle and Dominique and Terry Samuel, well, they were just tough inside against the run. Uh, had Chandler and Cameron Cameron Coleman at the at the strikes to the outside linebackers. And we were just a very, very physical football team that could defend the run. You know, Alan Boyd, golly, he was just a great, great defensive tackle. He he played side to side, ran all over the field. And, you know, uh, it was just fortunate for him that he could, he basically played defensive tackle. And I, I know he spelled some on the offensive line, but he, uh, he was pretty fresh when he went in. Yeah. I know we rotated, uh, the nose guards a good bit between uh, Jalen and and uh, Ronald Young, but they were two very uh, active nose guards that always required a double team. If you tried to single block those two, they were going to be in the backfield. One of the things that really stood out to me as I was going back and watching game film, getting ready for this, is the fact that they were always team tackling. They ran to the ball. They were always – four, five, six, seven red hats around the football making tackles. You didn't see a whole lot of individual tackles. You saw a lot of gang tackling. And I think that's what helped us most of all is this bunch. Uh, they just they just played well together and, and and got after it. Absolutely. They could they could they could do it and they could go and uh, you know at at that time your ability to stop the run, to run the ball and stop the run was a big thing. We knew we were gonna be physical at doing that we were going to be able to do that and even today in this league that miller plays in you got to be able to run the ball you know and you got to be able to stop the run to be able to do it so coach edge you want to talk a little about the 2013 defense yes sir i do i appreciate you having me on and um I've, I've a lot of fun memories about this team um you know it 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 is really interesting uh, to be able to coach inside linebackers like that. I mean, we were really blessed with the inside linebackers. Kyle Davis was was really smart. He read the plays. Um, he was the prototype linebacker that you're looking for. You know, he was a heavy hitter. He was 250 pounds, um, and you know, he could get up in there and could take on blocks. And, you know, we used to joke about, and he was the first one that I ever talked about, was that in his world, a hammer and everything he saw was a nail. And he just hit, he hit everything he could hit. It didn't matter if he, you know, I mean, we had to get him out sometimes if, if he had gone in on scout team. He was always wanting to get in there because he was he, – he enjoyed the physicality of it, you know. And and then you had Dominique, which this massive person that just – he was so quick and he, he understood the game and he'd just – he'd go and he'd make plays, you know. I mean, I – 
there's a lot of stuff that these two benefited, uh, you know, uh, especially from like Ronald, Ronald being at nose guard, he was creating such problems up in there. Alan Boyd was causing all sorts of problems for blockers, you know, and then to be blessed, Daniel T.S. able to come in there and rotate through and he was just as physical. They all, they all tried to outdo each other. You know, if one of them got a hit, the other one was like trying to get a better hit. <laughs> and then all, the, and then you couple that with Cameron Coleman over there on the outside. Cameron just had that incredible tough mentality. I mean, he he loved every bit of football. You know, and and so. We had some really special people out there, you know, that, that as Chris said, I, I, these folks ran to the football. You know, Miller has prided itself on years about the effort expended on defense, and, and this defense is right, right up there with the effort expended. So, anyway. Adding to that real quick is that, you know, even the, even the perimeter players in the secondary, Caden Lodge and – Kadarius and they were physical players that, you know, we all were playing wing T and so forth and always had to set that edge and they really did a good job of that as well. Jordan Samuel. Started looking, you know, cause you forget things over time. When I went back and looked at the, um, was looking at the film, especially um, looking at some of the film early rather than late, we forget how much people improve sometimes. One of the guys I noticed at the end of the year making plays a lot was Caden Lodge. Yes, and, sir. Uh, you know, Caden, Caden was was he was in that tough role too. Uh, he could be tough when he needed to be. Now, you know, Caden gonna get outrun every once in a while, but he made a bunch of plays and a bunch of tackles later on in the year. They're really hard pressed to knock him off the ball and and knock him down. You know, he did a great job of coming up and setting force as did as did KJ. KJ, he could he could handle a lot of that stuff kind of over into the boundary just because he was just tough and could get after it. And KJ, you know, was just a just a joy to be around because he could take a joke and he could take a rear end chewing with the best of them. Always a smile. Yeah. Always, always a smile on his face. Always a smile. And, and just just to add to what y'all was saying um, about him, about him being tough guys and tough playing tough in the games. I, biggest thing I remember is, is them tough practices that we had. Lord of mercy, I'm, I'm telling you, they were. This, this was along about the time that we had we were we were filming a bunch of stuff in practice every day. And man, I couldn't wait to get home and click that film on and see some of that stuff that was going. <laughs> and, uh, awesome. Some of the some of the contact and some of the some you know some of the drills and different stuff. It was it was. It was fun to watch and fun to be a part of, man. Drew used to say, use your helmet and shoulder pads. <laughs> hey, after watching the film, that's one of the things, and I know that this would be politically incorrect, is that they did know what their helmet and shoulder pads used for. Okay, I, I know that folks would be, you know, we're all about this and all about that, but I'll tell you what, as Coach Riggs and others have said, football's a tough game. Played and coached by tough people, and these folks, they knew what to do with their helmet and shoulder pads. It, it makes it easier when folks are tough. You know, one of the things I liked about this crew is that every once in a while, 
they'd bow up at practice and get mad at somebody. You know, and you know, and it's just some of those years where everybody's all nice at practice. I like this group because just every once in a while, you know, um, what like that Kyle or somebody had enough of Peach. We, we're I, we're discussing it out there on the field. Jim, I can remember, you know, I'd have the starters in, then I'd get the number two, put the number twos in there, and James Peach would be over there on the knee. And if a certain guy went in on scout defense over there. But he threw that water ball down. He was going in that car <laughs> after his tail. And, and, uh, but they, they were. They, they get after it now. Offensively, Eddie, we knew that when the season started, uh, we were going to be able to run the ball. We had three running backs that um, about as good a trio as probably we ever had at Miller. And, and the two Coleman's, Cameron and McHenry, and of course Dominique. So we knew we were going to be able to run the ball. We had some size up front, and uh, we thought we had some guys who were going to block. We had a, a a pretty good big group of junior linemen in particular that were that were going to be we thought really good players. We knew that was going to happen. Uh, we we had some decent receivers and all. The the question mark was really uh, Keon, who was a senior who was going to play quarterback for us, who just had not played a lot of quarterback. You know, he had worked as a backup and all that, but he, he just hasn't been the man out there doing it. He had played wide receiver and defensive back for us and been a good player. So that was the thing going in the year we weren't real sure about, but uh, we were sure, Eddie, that probably if we got in trouble, we could just turn around and hand it off. Yes. We, you know, and that was, and not just because I coached some guys, but that was <coughs> – a fun group of guys to coach was the offensive line there. They, like you said, we had some size at the tackles, and you talk about some of the tough guys. You know, I can remember uh, uh, Chris Jones. Boy, he played. He had just about every kind of injury and had surgeries, and he just you couldn't kill him. He just just kept coming back and. And and two little old guards. I remember you asking me one time, "But oh, who's our who's our best two guards?" And I told you, I said, "Ron Young." And you kind of looked at me like you thought I was kind of crazy. <laughs> but you know, he was small, but Lord mercy, he could play fast and low and under folks' pads, and he, he just could do all the stuff that we we wanted him to do. And 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 they. Um, they they made it they made it fun to coach they they you know I wasn't really an offensive line coach at the time but they made it where you I, I, they had me fired up about coming to practice every day and then fired up about going home watching you know watching watching the film and and um and trying to trying to get them better yeah you know Eddie um thing about uh, this crew was that um, we knew that we were going to be physical running the ball. And there were times that um, we had some big holes running through. There were some times that obviously um, they just didn't get Dominique tackled. And, and, and one of the things about Dominique is that he could go the distance. You know, there are some guys who are physical runners and they run out there and, you know, they get, you know, they might score from the 25 or 30, but, you know, if they break a run on their own 30-yard line, they're going to chase them down. Well, Dominique, they weren't getting him from behind. He had some long runs during the year. It's always nice to have that home run threat. And Cameron, we had a guy who was a great receiver out of the backfield. And, you know, we threw our fullbacks a lot. So this was – and then when they got tired, we could put McHenry in there. Yeah. And, and so there was no going wrong there. But the, the thing that I think made us the offensive team, because by every stat you look at, this is the very least – 
the second greatest offensive team in the history of the school. Apparently, you must have done a decent job at coaching offensive line. If we were that good, obviously, it was because the players begin with, but Keon did a nice job at quarterback for us. We learned what he could do. And I thought that, that Juan did a nice job during the game because Juan Johnson was calling the plays, best I remember here. Juan did a nice job of managing him during the games, not asking him to do things that he couldn't do, especially early later on he could do a little more. But um, the one thing we learned is that he could complete passes, but we probably never had a quarterback that ran as much on our boots and all as Keon did. And, and I got to thinking of that as just passing yardage. You know, we'd boot out there and he'd take off and make 20 or 25 yards or whatever. What's the difference between that and calling the pass play and completing it for 25 yards? So, you know, he did a nice job of that, a nice job of just, just going in and doing his part of of our offense. And, and like you said, just gave, it a, a, gave us a little bit of another dimension, you know, with his ability to pull that thing down and run it. And I, I can remember early on in the season we saw that on – some of the counter boot stuff there, and and he had some good guys to throw to. I can remember uh, Kellen uh, Wonder Wind boys making yeah. a big catch, Sweetwater, and and uh, I was looking at the lead game a little while ago. There, one of those counter boots he rolled out and looked like he was throwing the ball away, and then all of a sudden you see one of the wind or wind come over and almost make a you know a, a good catch over on the sideline there. And having the big back boy, that's boy, anybody would take Ooh. that and. And then I'd, I'd, I'd give anything right now if I had that offensive line uh, <laughs> to, to line up with this year. But, but, uh, but again, they, they, uh, they were a physical bunch and they, they, they practice good. That's, I think that, 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 that's what really, really helped set them above each other. And, and, and they were pretty rough on each other. Like you said, they held each other accountable. If you didn't think Cameron Coleman would get on your butt, you better not mess up out there because I think he, he got sent to the sideline for getting on one of them over there. Clark County that turned Oh, the yeah. Yes. Yes. And then he comes out to the sideline for getting on one of his dang players, but that's, that's all the part. And that, that much they loved each other. Uh, oh, yeah. You talk Oldmans and the Jackson, you know, they, they stayed over there, they stayed with each other and that that bunch were tight now. They were they were they were a special group. That's what was interesting in watching some of the film, knowing these people the way we do, all of a sudden, especially on defense, all of a sudden you see that face mask kind of get to bobbing up and down and I'm like, is just ripping somebody. I mean you can just see it. His head's just bobbing up and down. And he, you know, and I mean, and he, he could find a way to motivate people around him to step their game up because, like Eddie was talking about accountability, he was giving it everything he had. Better match him in intensity or you're going to hear about it. He, uh, I mean, he'd been playing a full year. He'd been playing since he was a ninth grader. So, I mean, he knew what, what it took to win, and he, he just he was going to hold them accountable. Uh, that night over at Clark County, I think that, that, that play happened right at the end of the first half. They throw a flag or something over there, you know, and so the play ends, you know, and I bring him off, and by the time it's the last play, and I go off, and the referee comes up and says, Coach, he said, I had to call number 32. I had to call him with that, so he was using profanity. And I said, okay, I'll talk to him, and he said, hey, Coach. I said, he wasn't cussing the other team. He was cussing some of his teammates. He said that. <laughs> 
I said, Cameron, what's the matter? He said, Coach, I think we ran like a screen pass or something. We did, and they turned it. We ran the screen pass, and they didn't block. They missed every block, and he got smoked over there. Yeah. Buddy, he got up. If they were wearing a white jersey and they were on the field, he heard about it. I ain't blocking. He got everybody. Laugh. Oh, my word. Yeah, the officials got a pretty good laugh out of that, too, but they did have to flag him, they said. Even if you cuss your own people, they're going to have to flag him. Yeah. All right, guys, let's um, let's go back and talk about some of the games because there were some, some good games. Like I said earlier, you know, nine of the 12 victories, we won by four touchdowns much. This wasn't necessarily always a fast-starting team. You know, there were a lot of times that, you know, it might be a low-scoring game through, you know, through the first quarter, no matter who we played. And then the second quarter, we seemed to pick things up a little bit and, and go with that. Early in the year, we had a pretty tough game with Op over there. And then the fourth game of the year, we played Bayside Academy. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, this was – I don't know what we were expecting, but none of us were expecting what happened. It, it was one of those games where – we scored early, looked like, hey, we're going to be able to score some points. And then all of a sudden, they go nuts and start completing slant routes and stuff, and we're having a heck of a time defending them. The next thing you know, we're going back and forth. If I'm not mistaken, I think both teams punted like one time during the game. And and we're just going back and forth, back and forth. The, the funniest part to me when I went back and looked at the film because – the radio broadcast is on the film. And so just to let you folks know, if you want to go back and look uh, on, on YouTube, the radio broadcast is on the film of some of these games and all from 2013. <laughs> and that night, David Jennings and Bill Henderson are doing the game. And at halftime, basically, DJ is out of breath trying to describe <laughs> what is going on. He would, a lot of times... Before he could even describe what had happened, he would just say, "Basically, I take snap or something." He would turn around and say, "And he's gone, he's gone." And he would turn around and we get the ball, and they say he tosses the ball to, "He's gone, he's down the sideline, he's gone." So this was a one of those crazy games that no one really anticipated. So, Chris, you want to try to describe this because I, I still don't know what happened. Well, I think when uh, they kicked off, they, they shot the starter pistol like they do in track. And it was a track meet. Uh, 40, but, uh, 43 to 40. 43 to 40. Yeah. Um, you know, going into the game, we knew they were a big wing team. You know, myself and Edge, we kind of, you know, worked up some plans to, to defend wing T. And uh, one of the things that Bayside was able to do is they were able to go from wing T. To spread and never change a single person on the field. So well, that's it hard. just made it hard to hard to uh, make calls when you didn't know if you know everybody knows who the tight end is. Everybody knows they're gonna have two backs in the backfield. Well, they just they may be in wing T or right, which we called it one play, and then the next play they're in two by two or three by one, and that just made it real difficult for us to to make the right calls. And you know we just had to hang on and. And uh, give ourselves a chance. And, I, you know, I went back and watched that game as well. And probably the biggest play of the game was right at the half. We had put Keon in at safety. 
and uh, they threw the ball, and the guy was going in, and Keon comes out of nowhere and just absolutely knocks the dog out of this guy and fumbles the ball in the back of the end zone. If not, right. that's a touchdown for them, and, you know, it's it's a different, different, whole different game. That was one thing about this defense is, you know, they – they just kept playing and playing and playing. They didn't care if they were on the goal line. They didn't care if they were on the midfield, et cetera. If something happened, they just got up and played the next play. And fortunately, in that situation, and, and Keon, you know, he kept playing. And the guy caught the ball, and he kept playing. But he, he caused a fumble at the goal line and rolled out of the back of the end zone. And that, that was a terrific play. It's strange that you have a 43-40 game, and the biggest play of the game was a defensive play. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Well, that's one of the things about the scheme stuff got us was we're we're not we had not seen much, you know, the power read stuff where they were faking sweep and had the option either for the quarterback to keep it or to hand it off on the sweep. Uh, they just kept going back to the well on that, and the quarterback just gashed us at times. And we're we're doing things right. We just making plays. Yeah, that quarterback was a he was a good a good player. I think he went and played baseball at Southern Miss, but heck, he had a great night that night against us. He was stuck. You know, it, it was like it was like that fight that would never end. You know, every every year, and 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 not just this year, but the year before that was a dang dog fight. Uh, I think we won by a couple points. And the year before that, we lost to them like by one point. And and you know, I I, I can't tell you exactly, but if you go back and look, probably for about four or five years, it it was either a one or a loss that was by one touchdown or one or two or three points and they you you could you could you could have them beat down look like and you got them knocked out and them jokers you just couldn't kill them they just they just played hard and like i said had a good scheme for what for what they put for for um for what for his kids there on both sides of the ball and it was a heck of a robbery and that was a that was a, a tough game we won that game 43 to 40 and two years later, when they came up there, we beat them seven to nothing. Yeah. So yeah, right. Yeah. So you, you you never knew when you got into battle what you were going to have to do, and that's the thing about high school football. You, you you make game plans, but a lot of times that game plan's out the window after a little while because things occur you had no idea were going to occur. Could just be injuries. Could be weather. It could be anything. And in this case, that night, I don't think anybody would have thought there'd be 80 points scored in this game. I think the year before that, it was like 35, wasn't it like 37, 35? The year before that, uh, Yeah, I think so. Down in Bayside. Uh, Didn't we have to, when was, what year was that? We had to, we had to pick off the pass in the end zone. Yes. Yeah. And to, you know, to to preserve the win, they were driving. Yeah, they, uh. You know, even this year they were they were driving here and you know, they missed the field goal at the end of the game. We they had gotten in spread and, and uh, they were driving down the field and we got in uh, Miami and we're you know we're rushing the passer and, and as best we could and you know we're using uh, Dominique and and Chandler Brown off the edges and 
and Jalen and Ronald up the middle. And man, it was a, I think uh, Dominique got a huge sack in the game. And then they converted like a big third down and got down. And fortunately, they missed the field goal. Folks don't realize, you know, a lot of times when they think about this was just how tough this this region had been and would become because uh, what the, they made it to the third round also that year uh, in thirteen. I mean they they were they were a really good football team, you know, and we played in a tough tough region. Later in the year, we had three games at the end, and, and we were a road show at the end of the year. It seems like. But uh, we had we had three big regular season games. The first one was down to the eighth game. We played strong. Like I said, we were both ranked in the top ten. And they had a really good football team. They had some big linemen. They had some skilled guys. And so this was a, a huge region game. I think we ended up, it was like 29 to nothing at halftime. I think it was 42 to 7 was a final, but I think they scored. I think it was 42 to nothing. They scored right towards the end of the game. This was a, a another time when we had a big game and we got up to play, and uh, we were just really, really dominant. I, I think we didn't we run the counter a bunch on them, hurt them with the counter a bunch. Well, um, Dominique had 270 something yards rushing. Mm-hmm. So apparently we blocked. So. <laughs> Well, didn't okay. How how long of a carry was it? Was it like ninety seven or whatever yards they had? We had gotten a stop. They had punted us deep and had us backed up, and we ran a couple of plays. But I remember to me that night, and then going back and watching it, the Dominique's run really hurt their feelings. I mean, it <laughs> yeah. It, that big back ripping down through there, and a lot of those guys really interested in tackling him. And as you said earlier, you're not going to catch him from behind. And he just walked off and left everybody. Yeah, it was a 90, like 93, 94 yards. And those kind of things hurt you. You know, you got you, you got a team backed up. You think you're going to get them stopped, make them punt to you, and you're going to go down and score next thing you know. Boom, you rip off of a run like that. But he had another long touchdown run of 50 or 60 yards that night. They just couldn't handle it. And, and one of the things we always tried to do is we tried to play a bunch of people. We played a bunch of people that night. And we tried to wear people out in the second half with our physical running game. But that night, one night, we got the big lead down there in the um, in the second quarter. And it, did, it hurt them. It hurt their pride a little bit because – uh, they brought a big crowd over. Had every intention of winning the game. Yeah, I think they were like six and one. Yeah, coming in. Yeah, they were. They were. Yeah, and they were. They were running. They were running spread midline and so forth, and having to deal with it. And I think we had two interceptions that night. They tried to throw it a little bit as well. Yeah, we we did. We picked up. Uh, Kellen Wynn had a big interception early in the game. Um, they were kind of driving on a, one of the first drives down there, and we picked one off down there, but. Um, the next week, we played Neil and East Bruton, beat them twenty-eight to nothing. It's always nice to shut out Neil. And the, and then the, and then the next week we go to Sweetwater to play. And Sweetwater had, I remember they had a really really fast kid, and they, Aldridge. yeah, and had that big fullback. Remember that big? No, he was number five. I think. Like that. 
Yeah. Oh my gosh. He was he could he could I mean he could go. And uh we just kind of, you know, they made a few yards. They were mostly wing T. We they made a few yards. Um but um we kind of out-physical them as the game went on a little bit. Um, and I thought we handled those two running backs pretty good that night. Yeah, I think uh, early in the – I think it was their first drive of the game, and uh, they were they were uh, running the play. Uh, they were in the uh, wing T set, and tight end wing was to our sideline, and Kadarius Jones was, was on the uh, – setting the edge, and he just unloaded on the boy. I think that was Aldridge running the, running the buck sweep, and he just uncorked on him, and that kind of set the tone earlier. We were we were there to we were there to play some physical football. Even our even our corner is hitting you hard. That's right. <laughs> That's right. But we had to, I think we scored some. I may have scored one on defense too, or I can't remember. It was kind of one of those deals where we we got a little lead. We just kind of got the impression that. I, unless we something happens, we make a screw up here and give them a big play. I don't think they're going to drive down and score. And so, you know, we kind of played a little tighter to the vest after that a little bit and tried to wear them out with our running backs a little bit. I do remember when the game got over, <clears throat> we were packing up, got everything, got ready to leave. And, you know, we were getting ready to go. And there was one guy around the stadium there, one of those guys that's always there, you know, helping. And he was helping. He was going to lock the gate when we left and everything, you know, we – we thanked him, whatever, and I just remember him saying, "You know, I really don't care if y'all ever come back to Sweetwater again, because I don't think they had they hadn't been they hadn't been beat like that many times over there." But, you know, the year before, they uh, it was another there was a track meet, and we scored late to win, or uh, we we uh, we come off the we had lost to Neil the week before, and we were coming back and had to play Sweetwater the next week, and and they had a big man. I guess it was probably the same kid playing fullback. And yeah. Lord, he had a great night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he had a better team in twelve than he did in thirteen. By the way, the way the way we ended up playing them is, I, you know, we were always looking for games, always. And so <clears throat> the year before, in eleven, we had played uh, Hanley in the playoffs, and one of the films we had was from Sweetwater because, you know, Stacy Luker over there, Stacy and them couldn't find any games hardly, and they ended up playing Hanley. And so when the season got over, I called up. Stacy and I said, you know, why do you drive all the way to Roanoke to play? And he's like, well, I can't find games. I said, well, won't you come to Bruton to play? And the phone just kind of went silent for a minute. And he said, well, I guess I could. And I said, well, why don't we just sign up and play? And he says, now I'm going to tell you the truth. And and that's the one thing about Stacy Luker. He told it like it was. Yeah, and, and he told me, he says, now next year I'll be pretty good. He said, the next year I'll be good. I won't be as good as I will be this this coming year. But he says, I'll be pretty good. And he was, too. I think they got beat in the playoffs, got upset in the playoffs by somebody. But that night they brought that team over here in 12. Uh, they, were, they were a pretty doggone powerful football team. Yeah, they were. They were, they were, they were physical. That running back, he had a heck of a night. Boy, he was something. Man. He was a big old thing. Played, uh, played like defensive end or something over there. We were trying to. To figure out some ways to handle him, and it was it was it was pretty tough. We beat them. We go to the playoffs, and we get American Christian the first game. Y'all remember the American Christian game? Uh, yeah, yeah. Again, we had a little problem defending the pass that night, 
But, yes, sir. But but the one well, the thing I remember about offense was we we had gotten to where we were running like we were all sitting the fullback and running veers, and we were letting Keon keep the ball, son. And we ran, and I think they were running like a stack defense or something. And and um, we ran outside veer with Cameron Coleman, and literally he ran like sixty or seventy yards for a touchdown, and they never touched him. Boom. Unbelievable. But if you go back, uh, we had to go to midfield, and we beat midfield up there pretty good after having lost to them up there, if I'm not mistaken, the year before. Is that correct? Year, year before, yep. Yes. So we, was, uh, we beat them pretty good that night. I think 41 to 7, I believe. Yeah, I believe that was right. I believe that was right. So um, then we got – we were on that streak for two, three, four years there. It seemed like we were going to Birmingham all the time to play. Let's talk about the Leeds game because um, this was a terrific football team. We got to go play Leeds, who has a they have a really really good team with two big running backs that you that you had to deal with. And this was just one of those nights where it just seemed that everything, every break went to them. Um, yeah. we, we made mistakes we normally didn't make. And we just hung in there and hung in there. I thought we played terrific on defense that night to to handle their runners because that nation kid that they had, he was huge. And then the other one, that one, they're about as big as him. Mm-hmm. And and they were they were terrific. But and our players know this, and you don't do these things on purpose, but we turned the ball over five times. And not only that, there were strange turnovers. You know, we, we muffed one punt, and then we caught a punt and got tackled and fumbled the ball. Cameron intercepted a pass and got hit got hit again like he did over Clark County that night and <laughs> by one of them big old boys from Leeds because that happened right there on our sideline. He fumbled, and they got the ball back, you know, right there. And then we were going in early. We dropped a snap, dropped a snap. And, and lose the ball. And I think we threw one pass interception. So it was five turnovers, but just real strange. And for us to hang in there the way we did doing that, we still had a chance at the end of the game. So um, um, that, that's what that's what stick out to me is, you know, we, we screwed up a bunch. And then, you know, we just never, like you said, it just never could really get that. Momentum was staying. I stayed in all favor. You know, we come out the second half, and then Cam breaks that long run. Yeah, and um, I still, still think to this day that he scored. But you know, he, he, he tackled him down there, and then we don't get that one in. And then I think they drive it out, and we stop them. And then they then we fumble, fumble. Uh, they punt it to us, and we fumble the um, muffed the um, the punt. Yeah, and they get. They get it there and just, you know, it just like you said, it was just one of them nights that just, we just couldn't get out of third gear. That don't seem like. Like we were fighting uphill. That we were fighting uphill all night long, you know. And I will say this, I, you know, having spent a lot of time with Cam and McHenry and 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 as they're and they're growing up and everything like that. They have come by the house several times, and they still talk about interception. And it's Trey Nation that hits him 
And I had never seen Cam get hit like that. And he says to this day, he says, I have never been hit in a high school football game as hard as I was. And he had he had no idea. Nation came out of nowhere and just clocked him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was crazy. It was like that, that that all happened on the same drive too. We after after the muff punt, we stopped him. Uh oh, he intercepted the pass and then uh, you know, Cameron gets hit and they get the ball. That was all the same drive. Off the goal line, it was all the same drive. It was just one of those one of those things. Couldn't get out of our own way. You know, it goes to show you how hard it is to win a championship. Because as good as we were that year, and even if we win the game, the game because Strawn won the other quarterfinal game, we would have played Strawn again. If if even if we would have got the championship game Madison Academy was the team that ultimately won that year. They beat Leeds, but I would have liked to have taken a shot at them with with our guys because we'd have, we'd have, that would have been a heck of a game. But just goes to show you how hard it is because all that has to happen, really, from once you get to the second round of the playoffs on, you're playing good teams. All you got to do is have one night where you drop the ball a little bit, you don't uh, you don't you don't make the catch in the end zone, you miss a tackle here or there. And and it goes from a, a victory to a loss. And obviously in the playoffs you can't stand that. So it just goes to show you just really how hard it is to win a championship. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, the the, the the thing about this team was that offense, defense, kicking, it didn't matter. They always felt like they could win and even in the game at Leeds as as poorly as we played and we had a chance. I mean, we if we'd have gotten the onside kick, we had a chance to win the game. And uh, what a story that would have been if you know, we'd have somehow pulled out that one. Absolutely. And uh, I know there was a fumble in the fourth quarter down there at some point in time that that looked like we were going to get or had or whatever, but we didn't end up with it. But it was just one of those yeah. those nights that just every time there was a break, it seemed to go against us. But at the same time. We made some terrific plays in the game. I mean, if you go back and watch the games defensively, I just thought we we did we played terrific. And uh, like I said, Dominic, we, we we blocked them well at times. You know, Dominic broke a run for one of our touchdowns. At the end- on, that, on that, when I looked at that and saw that not too long ago, James Peach pulls over there and his back, <laughs> his back is about three and a half, four feet off the ground. And I'm telling you, he just gored one of them old guys and, and opened up a canyon to Dominique on the dang GT there. And it just... Well, the trap play, that's the one that I still... I mean, because uh-huh. I, I, I lost... I was like, okay, wait a minute. I thought we scored on this one. You know, that, that, that we got down there. I knew that we had a penalty. But I'm telling you what, him hit that trap play a about as fast as I've ever seen a back hit it. And he was second level and the end of the secondary before they could blink. And I think a lot of times, they, you know, Leeds was, I, I think that they had, think that they had really been tested the whole year. And again, I think that they kind of went into it. You know how kids will do. And they looked at us and thought, okay, well, they're, they're an okay team, but, I don't think they really fought a whole lot about us. Hard loss. Yeah, they're all hard in playoffs. That was a hard one just because of the fact that um, 
that we made so many errors up there that night. You know, we always had that thing about, you know, here's the way you lose games. And we did everything from, you know, not getting the ball in the end zone. Twice we got down there and didn't get the thing in the end zone. Crucial penalties. and Crucial penalties. Oh, yeah. you know. And, and um, dropping that punt is, is, is part of punting team problem. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we violated all our rules. Giving up long runs and long passes. Had them stopped and they throw a halfback pass for about a 35, 40-yard yeah. touchdown. You know, and I mean. And you, you just can't violate these rules and expect to be able to win the game. But but with all that, as Chris and Eddie and everybody said, even with all of that that went wrong, we're still right there. <laughs> I mean, we were. It's just hard. We prepared great for that game. We went up there and, and to play, and, and nobody expected those things to occur. It's, it was a strange place to play. They didn't have a visitor side. Everybody sat on one side. But uh, just one of those very, very, you know, unusual games uh, that occurs that sometimes will prevent you from moving on in the playoffs and being where you would like to be. But we were, we were very, very close. The thing about playoffs is that uh, in the last five weeks, we had done down for the years a pretty good job of being ready every week. We didn't, there weren't many times we lined up that we weren't, no matter who we were playing, we weren't pretty prepared to play. Not many times we went out there and laid an egg. And I don't think we laid an egg that night. We just made too many errors against a really good team. Before we finish up here, I, I get y'all's uh, thoughts on, on a couple of things. People have asked me questions at times about um, about the coaching aspect of, of football and high school football. and So let me ask you, uh, throw this out there, Mark, for you and uh, – and Chris, uh, people ask me all the time about how do you how do you set up game plans? How do you prepare for opponents? You know, how do you decide what you're going to call and how you're going to? Y- y'all take a minute, just kind of talk for a little bit about, you know, like in those days, because I know y'all may do this differently now, but in those days, uh, that was a decade ago, uh, we had finally gotten to um, all the film on the internet, and so we had access to a lot of games. Uh, explain a little bit about, like on a weekend, how you would prepare and get uh, get your game plan ready, and uh, you know what you would do when you came in Sundays and that kind of thing. Uh, one thing that we did on the defensive side of the ball is, uh, of course, we all watched every game that we had to break it down, but uh, we looked at certain things like uh, one coach had down and distance and yard line, one coach had formation. And run pass. Another coach had actually naming the play or blocking schemes and so forth. And then we'd come in uh, Sunday and we can uh, put all that information together and decide on how we were going to defend them based off of uh, the different formations, their personnel groupings. Uh, Again, that's one thing I brought up about the baseline game that hurt us so bad is their personnel, they didn't swap personnel when they went from a tight end wing to a to a spread offense, and, and you just don't normally see that. Um, but those are things that you try to try to try to get ready to defend is 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 their best plays. Uh, if you could figure out which formations they were running out of and and down in distance, uh, I know the one thing that uh, coach you always harped on was. Uh, 
defending the field and 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 always setting you know is dealing with things that they run wide or or even if they ran to their sideline, just certain tendencies that coaches seem to have that we look for, and that's how we developed our game plan. Yeah, that I would say that that was the one of the biggest things in the kind of roaming as a coach and getting insights into the game because you're trying to give your players just a little extra something that that makes them a step quicker or they recognize it just a, a little bit sooner was, you know, we had been very, in all the defense that I had coached, we'd been very formation oriented and not worried about hashes. And then one of the things that, that Coach Riggs talked a lot about with us, you do, you know, the question was, you do realize that the game is played on the hash. And you couple that with the tendencies and all of a sudden, a, a different picture of the game starts to open up of what are they doing? Why are they doing it this way? And then the other part that I always enjoyed as a coach is, okay, we're going to run these things on defense, and these are their six, seven best running plays. How many times have they run it? How many times do I need to show the kids in practice, you know, and so it's just like we're talking about with the Bayside field. We knew that they were wing T and they had been more wing T than anything. So our emphasis on defense that week was stopping the run. And yet they come out and are throwing bubble slant and slants and post patterns that they're, they're picking apart our cover three. And, you know, we just weren't, as prepared for that as we as we probably could have been had we known more about it. But you still got to figure out a way to win the game, yeah. even though it's not yeah, going well. Exactly. So you you got to you got to make some adjustments, some changes. You got to do something to try to give the players something just to win the game. Exactly, that's what they they need just a little something, and you know whether it's, whether it's a blitz from the field or it's something from the boundary, or that it's just taking, you know, taking Davis and letting him run over their guard. You know, <laughs> you know, let him just run down through there and see if he can affect the quarterback. Make the quarterback, don't let him stand out there. I mean, another one of those things that we talked about a lot, you know, with Chris and with Coach and even when Eddie had, on the defensive side, don't don't do the drill with them. You know, offenses want you to line up this way so they can block you this way, so they can run the play this way, and it's it, they want it to be like how they drilled it in practice. So what we have to do is try to don't let them do the drill. So we learned a lot about football, and this team was one of those that kind of. I know they helped me uh, in in viewing the game because we we did a lot of things. We did a lot of movement package up front where we were stemming fronts. You know, everybody looks now in college football and they're going nuts about what Georgia's doing and shifting and moving folks. And, and we were shifting and moving yeah. folks around and creating problems and getting like, you know, either Ronald or, or Alan Boyd loose in their backfield because – 
16. Yeah. Yeah, we constantly was changing the bubble. And uh, I, you know, I know I had forgotten till I till I looked back, so I watched on the film that we had shifted a bunch that year, which caused people problems. It really did. You know, several times people they jump offside, or certainly caused them a a, a problem in uh, making uh, their block. Sometimes, you know, trying to think about well, you know, we used to go by the uh, the rule that you know not everybody that plays football is on the honor roll. And so we need to find out yeah. some of those guys look like they have some problems sometimes and uh, do the best we can to, to create some issues, situations. Let me ask you this question. At times, like I was working with the offense a lot, so I'm always up there watching the offense. At times when the defense would come off and I could kind of hear some of you guys over there, y'all would get kind of um, excited, let's say, on the sideline every once in a while. Maybe <laughs> – Maybe, I don't know, maybe you were in the press box and they are yelling up the press box or something, I don't know, but every once in a while I could hear you and the players getting a little animated over there. Can you talk about that for a minute? How does that work out on the sideline? <laughs> on the defensive side, I can speak from this, is the edge was in the press box, and so I had to relay a lot of information to his linebackers from, <laughs> from uh, when he was up there and uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I tend to, to get a little excited on the sidelines at the time and, and, uh, expected, uh, I just, <laughs> I coached intense and, uh, you know, I, I'm a big Auburn fan, so, I, you know, Will Muschamp was at Auburn around that time. <laughs> I guess I was trying to emulate him. <laughs> boom, boom. <laughs> well, you know, what's funny is the relationship that you build with the kids. And, you know, you have a different relationship with some of them. Some of them, it's a, you know, it's a really, it's a very good relationship, but some of it, it goes a little bit deeper. And Kyle was one of those, Kyle could be as hard-headed as I am. And I, and, and I, there was one night before this season and Kyle and I had just, it, he would not be quiet. And he was going to get the last word in, and I wasn't going to let him have the last word, you know. And and we argued all the way across the field over there at Cottage Hill, all the way up the hill, and then kind of looked at us. But, you know, we had to kind of be quiet so he could talk to the team. And then we kept on going. And then it, it went all the way back down the hill. It went through stretch. And I told him, you know, in the end, well, you're not going to play. I'm just not going to play you. And then – that was one of those turning points because after that, he knew that I'm as competitive as he is, and he's super competitive. Same page, we're just not exactly doing what we need to do, you know. And that was the reason. I, I, maybe that was the reason I need to go up in the box. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, um, I do recall one night, and this was later on, Chris, that something was happening. You were calling the defense. <laughs> And I usually just kind of stayed out of the way, but that night I decided to go up and, and, and make a suggestion. I said, you do know that they're doing this. And you turned around and looked at me and said, yes, I know that. I said, and so I didn't say, I didn't say anything. You know, at the time, all the players that were around, like, froze. Like, it, 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 is Coach Riggs going to blow up Coach Baxter right here in the middle of the game? What's going to happen? And I, and I turned and looked. And there was a little sophomore standing right behind you. And I turned and looked at him and I said, 
did he just yell at me? And and to his credit, he looked at me and says, no, sir, he didn't. I said, okay. <laughs> he had my back. <laughs> yeah. I want to uh, tell a little story, too, about uh, about that, is about taking the chewing and so forth. Uh, Chandler Brown always kids me about this. I can't remember who we were playing, but we were walking to the to the uh, locker room at halftime, and I was chewing on him pretty good about something, and and uh, all he did was say, yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir. And on the way back, I said, I'll tell you what, Chandler, you can take a chewing, but yet you're polite and you're, 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 you know how to treat me. And I, and, uh, I said, I really do appreciate that. Your respect for authority. That, and that joker can play, too. I've got, a, uh, I've got a picture on my phone from the Bayside. Going back to the Bayside game again, uh, they ran a screen pass that we had been working on on a a little tunnel screen and, and Chandler picked it off and I've got a yeah. picture on my phone of me jumping up on him after he made that catch and I share it with his I share it with him every year on his birthday. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> well speaking of pictures, my wife one of her most cherished photos is a picture of Henry and Cam walking off the field at Leeds together, his arm around him. They are muddy and bloody, and they have given everything they could for T.R. Miller that that Friday night. And it shows them walking away together, 32 and 22. And I told her, I said, well, I need that photo. And she said, well, you're not getting it. She keeps it framed, and she has it to this day. Mm -hmm. Even them she two, recognized. <laughs> them two were tight. Now they, they, uh, they, even though they were brothers, they were they were definitely th tight. Eddie, let me ask you this because I get this, I used to get this question all the time. What do y'all do at halftime? I mean, like, do you go in there and do you chew everybody out, or exactly what you do at halftime? And for people that don't know, when you walk off the field, you have twenty minutes. You don't get 22 minutes. You have 20 minutes. And then they would give you three minutes to warm up, but you got to know how far it is to the locker room if you're playing, particularly if you're playing away, how long it's going to take you to get there and back. You got certain things you want to get done, so you, you need to utilize your time a little bit. Talk a little bit about halftime and some of the things that we tried to do down through through the year, especially from an offensive standpoint. Well, first of all, um, you, you always do a pretty good job of, not pretty good. Did a good job of um, scouting it out. We knew what we were going to be doing at halftime, where we were going, whether we were going to try to make it to the dressing room, or whether we were going to set up on the field or to you know somewhere on the, in the corner the end zone or whatever. We've done a little of both, and, and um, you know to 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 be able to maximize our time and 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 halftime. You know, a lot of time this is about chewing somebody's butt, you know, a lot of times it, it ain't that, it's, it, it's, it's a chance to, to try to, try to get a jump or figure out, figure out what may be, what, what's causing your problem, what are you, what you're doing wrong, and a lot of times it's, it's something simple, sometimes it's something maybe a whole nother scheme that you hadn't prepared for, and, um, but it's, it's a time to make adjustments, get your kids settled down, and, and, um, and, and and try to you know try to make a plan a scheme or you know 
maybe maybe may not be a whole different play, but just a different way to block it. You know, they may be, you know, maybe we may have schemed them uh, in a forty, and they play in, they play in all heads or something. And and um, but 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 you know, every play's got rules, and 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 we'd like to be able to to have have rules that would take care of pretty much anything that that. that <laughs> at you but you know every once in a while they you know that's something that you may not prepare for whether it's up front or in, either in the secondary or something that may be doing secondary wise but but it, it's um it, it ain't all about chewing butt but a lot of times is you know you it is it, it, it ain't what you're doing it's how you're doing it you know and but yes it's it's a limited amount of time time and and give you give you a good opportunity to get a little gas back in your tank kind of regroup and and uh and have a plan for um get you plan to either 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 make a new plan for the second half or or, or continue on on the plan that you're on but um and, and you know in a lot of situations uh, a tough game you know you you want to you know, as we talked about with this team, especially, you know, uh, being big and physical, a lot of times, you know, you say, you know, we talked about earlier how the game would be close, would be close, and then all of a sudden that, you know, in the end, we're up four touchdowns, and it's it's the physicality of it and pounding, and, you know, you talked about Ali and, and Frazier and, the, you know, and the fights that, that they had prepared and how, how Ali prepared for him and, you know, the mental aspect of it middle aspect of it and and um and get them prepared for 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 the fourth quarter um and 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 possibly even prepared to to come from behind in the fourth quarter or to to hang on in the fourth quarter there but but halftime is halftime is it's it's a big part of the game you know eddie the the hardest part for me about halftime the hardest halftimes to me was when you were playing a big game and it went well in the first half, and you're two or three touchdowns or something ahead at halftime, and you know they're a really good team. And you walk in, and about half your team thinks the game's already over. Right. And that, to me, that was the where, – where do you – where's the line there where you compliment them on their play in the first half but warn them about what's fixing to happen? And that, that, was, that was the hardest part to me about halftime is dealing with, with that. There were some times that, uh, you know, we weren't mentally into the game. They needed a chewing. I could certainly do that. But it was hard to, to, to figure out exactly what you need to say at halftime, whether you're going to be positive. Or there's some, some times that, that I went in and I was basically negative the whole half. And I'm not interrupting, but, you know, I, I, I brag on you a lot. And and I ain't just said because you you said that, but I brag on you a lot because you know to me you you were way more advanced than a lot of people on, on the mental aspect of these kids and and you know whether it's whether it's getting them to believe that that even though he's five foot five that getting them to think he's five ten that he's two hundred pound and invincible or or either you know thinking ahead and. And and that's that's the part you had a lot of insight on on, on things that that were coming up, you know. That, so like at halftime, hey, we need to get we need to do this, this, and this, and if we do this, you know, we we got a chance. And 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 can't tell you how many times, you know, you told them we do this, this, and this, and we went out, and we did that, that, and that, and boom, you know, there we were, there we go, win the game, or you know, get things back, you know, in control there, and uh, that that's huge, and you know, and and you know, just. Um, the prep, not not to mention the prep, 
time, but but uh, that's 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 big is 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 getting them mentally prepared, you know, because you know the your flesh you're willing, but you know that that mind and that spirit, you know, is, is <laughs> weak, right. and you gotta you gotta condition it, especially when you're yeah. 17 years old. You spend a lot of time talking about that, and I and I agree with Eddie. I thought that this idea of you know uh, um, you, football is an emotional game, and you're dependent on getting them emotionally set and ready for what they're going to face. And like Eddie, I find myself sometimes on Friday nights now, and it's like. I know this past year they were expecting me to come in and breathe fire and and go after them, and I came in and basically talked about the things that we had done right and did it in a very quiet and calm voice, which I think ended up setting up the emotion for the second half, you know. And so, you know, that's that's the thing, especially seventeen-year-old kids, that you can get them in the right frame of mind about what we've got to do. All right, listen, guys. I want to thank y'all for doing this. Uh, it's been fun. Uh, a couple things before I before I go here, I would like to remind everyone that um, on March 18th of this year, uh, Coach Eddie Brunage will be inducted into the Alabama High School Sports Hall of Fame. Very, very well deserving, Eddie. Congratulations on uh, congratulations, Eddie. Hey, that's they're gonna big part of the reason why. You know, you, know, you guys right there. Aren't they going to have to reprint print the programs now? Because didn't you just get another state championship? So they're going to have to either that or get somebody to go in and pencil it in anyway. Congratulations. That's awesome. Well, thank y'all. Uh, like I said, y'all, y'all, y'all are a big part of the reason why. And we are now down to the top seven T.R. Miller football teams of all time. And I can tell you there's some good ones. Out of those top seven teams, they have a total of four losses. It's going to be a, it's going to be pretty, pretty interesting. I think most people now, if you know much about Miller football, you can come pretty close to guessing most of them. The order, we'll have to just wait and see what order they're going to be in. <laughs> so um, anyway, again, guys, thank you all so much for doing this. Uh, the 2013 T.R. Miller Tigers, they are the number eight team of all time T.R. Miller football history. Thanks for joining in. This has been a minute with Coach Riggs. So long.